There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Namaste, yogis. This is Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. Wow, I am so excited to share this episode with you today. As some of you may know, I've been working with Rachel Brathen, otherwise known as Yoga Girl, and we're releasing an amazing acro yoga series that's going to be accessible to you this month. In connecting with Rachel for the past two years, I've realized how dedicated she is to sharing yoga as a path for healing for millions. Rachel is an absolute inspiration to millennials worldwide. She uses her transparent vulnerability to reach over 1.8 million followers and has aligned with some of the world's best authorities in yoga to create a unique online platform called 108 TV. But most important, we will reveal how Rachel went from a troubled teen in Sweden to the yoga girl we know and love today. Get ready to shine with love from within as we find the heart of true compassion with Rachel Brabin on this outstanding episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. Namaste, Rachel. Namaste. Great joy to have you on the Yoga Revealed Mm. podcast today. And it's an absolute, just complete blessing to be here in Aruba in your house, enjoying great time together and sitting here to have a conversation about your experience and how yoga was first revealed to you. I'm so happy that you're here. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for having Mm. me. Um, So we just finished up this amazing 108 filming um, for your beautiful organization. And it just excites me to have met you probably about a year and a half ago now and to see how much you've grown and how much you've shared with your following and how much value you're bringing to the world. Um, So I wanted to start with how yoga was first revealed to you? How yoga was first revealed to me ever, ever. Well, I, actually, I took my first ever yoga class with my mom. My mom, who you've met throughout yes, these days. I have met yoga mom. You can find her on Instagram. She's yoga mom She's now. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. <laughs> and we went to, I was 16, I think. We went to a, on a family vacation to Thailand, and I'd never had any experience with 
you know, yoga, meditation, anything in that realm of, of, of life, um, and took a yoga class there in the grass on the little bamboo mats. And I don't remember really much of it, but I just remember that was my first ever experience. But it would still be two or three years before I found yoga um, real, which was later in time in Costa Rica, where I lived for a while. Nice. Mm -hmm. So in that transition from maybe like practicing a few times to actually, like did you start to develop a home practice or was it something that kind of just adapted into your lifestyle? I had a lot of pain. So when I, when I started, I mean my whole life I've had a lot of back pain. I have a little bit of scoliosis. I had a bad car accident. So I've always had lower back, mid back and neck pain my, almost my, my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, so I found meditation first. Actually I was meditating since I was 18. And yoga was not a big step away from that, but I was really, really terrified to move my body freely. I was always scared that whatever I did, if I bent over to tie my shoes or, you know, just woke up in the morning, I would reach for my alarm clock and something would snap in my spine and then I would be out for days. I was really, really nervous when it came to asana in the beginning. And I had probably about two years of really mellow um, hatha Iyengar based practice where I, it's kind of me figuring out you know, what can my body do? What hurts? Where is my imbalance? Where is this pain coming from? And it took a, it took a long time for me to feel, to feel safe, actually. Oh, that's awesome. So why did meditation resonate so well with you at first? It didn't. <laughs> actually, it was, it was actually my mom who sent me away to a, sent me away. Well, she sent me to a, a meditation uh, center, a meditation retreat when I was 18. I was going through a really, really rough time at home. I was drinking a lot. I was really destructive. I was depressed, really unhappy. And she had been to this place, like a therapeutic meditation center. And she was like, you know what? This is something you have to do. Go. And I was forced because I was thrown into this completely different way of life. So for mm. a week, the week I was there, the first time I was there, it was just such a big contrast that I think... I had no other choice but to just surrender to this crazy thing that was happening to me, which was, you know, full days of silence and lots of therapy, lots of dynamic meditations. Wow. So you went from like partying to... Vipassana. I went from like, wonder, you know, how am I going to afford to buy fancy purses and get really drunk and like fight with my boyfriend to, yeah, <laughs> to meditation, which was, um, it was a pretty big contrast. It changed, changed me. Definitely. In a lot of ways, yeah. In, in what way would you say that having that time with yourself of, uh, you know, meditating and beginning to find more of that internal dialogue, how do you think that changed you? I think it, it brought a lot to the surface because I'd never, I mean, at that point in my life, I'd never reflected on the fact, I'd never reflected on my body, you know. How do I feel in this body? I never reflected on the food that I ate. I never reflected on my actual state of mind or my state of happiness. I was just really unconsciously, aggressively kind of, you know, moving through life in a really unhappy way. But I'd never, it wasn't until I realized how unhappy I had been that I had the first thought of like, wow, I actually would like to be happy. I'd never had that realization before. And I found that through med meditation, through realizing kind of how chaotic my life was, how destructive I actually was. Um, moving through life, so it was a, it was a big thing for sure. And it didn't, you know, it wasn't like I left that week and then I was a whole new person and I life was great. And, you know, it take me, you know, <laughs> everything was, purses. yeah, I sold everything and I moved. I mean, it was still probably about another year of transition for me, where I slowly kind of, you know, let go of some friends. Eventually, broke up with my boyfriend. Started making some changes. Started meditating daily. 
Um, eventually, that led me to to leave Sweden for the first time, and I went to Costa Rica to explore. Wow. Um, How was that? It was magical. Yeah, Costa Rica was your spot. Costa Rica was my spot. Yeah, I don't know if it was, like, you know, anywhere I would have gone would have been magical. I was just ready to leave and to find something new. But Mm -hmm. I ended up, you know, somehow randomly in Costa Rica, which is kind of a a center for for mindfulness, for yoga, for holistic living. And and I had my, I had the power of now, which was, like, my Bible at the time. And everywhere I went, I would sit at a cafe and I would order a smoothie or something and which I'd never had smoothies in my life. I was just, you know, I was so excited to live this new lifestyle. And then people would approach me about this book all the time. So every day I found myself having conversations, deep conversations about, about you know, oh, no. power of now or spirituality or just this whole new mindset that I was kind of developing. And I was just, every day I was blown away by, mm. by people and by life. And I decided really, it took, it took me 10 days. And then I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to stay here. <laughs> I don't think I want to live in Sweden anymore. I think I'm going to make this home. <laughs> so at that point, you decided to do your yoga teacher training? No, that was still years ahead, ah. actually. So I was still, I did a yoga class here and there, but it, it took me prob- I have probably a year and a half of being in Costa Rica. I was really into meditation mm-hmm. and purely that. I tried to learn how to surf. And um, eventually started deepening my practice. I got my first yoga mat. And it was more of a home practice than anything else. I was really scared to take classes because I was always nervous that a teacher would have to put me in a place that my back couldn't handle. Mm. I had so much pain. And I was also scared to do the wrong thing or, you know, people are going to look at me funny in class if I don't do everything right. So I would take a few classes and then I would go home and I would actually apply and kind of integrate and learn on my own. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So at what time and point did you realize that the yoga practice was something that would be fully integral to your life? Probably my last, I was in Costa Rica for almost three years, so probably my my last six months there. Mm -hmm. Really, I started practicing a lot, a lot, and it was still a fairly mellow, mellow practice. And I took a class with someone, and I was in Shavasana, and then I remember I had this big kind of huge thought that came into my head in the middle of Shavasana and the teacher was doing something saying something and I was like oh when I teach I'm gonna do that differently Um, and then I caught myself I was like when I teach I never I'd never said to anyone oh I want to be a teacher or I want to teach you know and I was just when I teach I thought okay well maybe you should try (laughs) so my last year or my last months in Costa Rica I started teaching to friends and to people that I worked with and kind of the community where I was just for free just to learn on my own I had no idea what I was doing and then uh, eventually took a teacher training. But I was teaching for about a year or more before I did any type of training. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> Which I wouldn't recommend to people, but yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of beautiful when you intuitively become the teacher of friends, you know? When you have enough knowledge to be able to share without saying, oh, I'm the teacher. But it's just like, right. oh, you know, like, yeah, I can help you out in a forward fold or a back bend or... I've learned enough to be able to help you on your path too. So I think that's gorgeous that you started off in the intuition of teaching rather than I have to get my teacher certification to start teaching. Right. And also I, did, I never really thought that this was something that I was going to be doing. You know, it was more because my, te- my practice or my, even my, what I'd learned or what I was teaching at the time came from pain. Mm-hmm. So I was really, I learned so much about, about anatomy, but about alignment, and you know, really, that this stemmed from a place of, of back pain, really, and that's what I would teach. So it would be, you know, I would never, I wasn't teaching, you know, inversions vinyasa classes, and inversions, and nothing, nothing, what? nothing. Yeah, no it was split just, leg no, nothing, no, 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 one armed anything. <laughs> 
which was which was really you know I didn't think that would ever be important to my own practice. I was like, this is what I'm going to teach because, and eventually I, I transitioned from Aruba and I went or from Costa Rica and I went to Aruba, mm -hmm. and here I started teaching at a at a resort and everybody that came to my classes they were retired, they were really really old, they had hip replacements, knee replacements, or they were brand new beginners, or they were, um, you know, it wasn't the little lemon-clad power vinyasa yeah, yogis that came the to these classes. Santa Monica power vinyasa? Not quite. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got, you know, I started teaching full-time, but I, it was to that type of crowd. It was completely mixed, young people, old people, injured people, um, and that's how I really started my, my teaching career, so to speak, was teaching people that had no idea, Wow. which was really, and really valuable. At this time, when did you start your Instagram? Um... Two years after I moved to Aruba. Oh, wow. So I've been teaching two or three years, I think, full-time, but mm -hmm. in a very, you know, small scale, like resorts and, and here locally. And, and in Aruba, there was no yoga community at all at the time. Yoga was really... Uh, it's a very Catholic island. People were terrified <laughs> that yoga was a religious thing. You know, saying namaste at the end of practice was terrifying. Or, oh, my goodness. You know, people really were, oh, I can't practice yoga. I want to stretch, but I can't do yoga because I'm religious or I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. Yeah. And I was like, well, you can bring Jesus to the mat if you want. Like, that's totally okay. You Jesus know, this is that. He can come to my mat. Invite him. <laughs> but it was really like that, you know. And then I think two and a half years in, and I was, I was teaching probably 20, 25 classes a week. I was, you know, killing myself teaching. I was teaching to anybody who would listen. I would teach, mm -hmm. you know, classes of two people, three people. If 15 people showed up, I was, you know, stoked because that was a huge class for yeah. me here. And then somewhere along then, you know, I started an Instagram account. And it wasn't for yoga. It wasn't for my teaching. It was just literally personal, you know, dogs and my breakfast and the beach. And then it kind of organically transitioned into, into yoga somehow. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so at first when you were teaching, did you find yourself teaching in a sense of like uh, kind of as a lifestyle? Was it like something that you thought was sustainable, obviously, since you were getting these classes at different hotels and resorts. Um, but did it evolve from that into helping others? Because in going to the classes that I've been to with you, it's very heart-centered, and it's very much so almost like an emotional therapy. And I feel like that, 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 did that happen as a, like a switch or a change in your life, where you were like, I have to offer something more than just asana? I think... That part of my, my teaching really started when I started doing retreats. So versus just having, you know, a group class or a couple classes a week where people would come back. You'd never, I mean, I'd get to know my students, of course, but it was never, I would never really sit with them for hours and talk about what's really, ha what brought you to the practice or what's happening in your life. You know, it's that teacher-student relationship, but it's still fairly shallow in mm -hmm. a way. And I started leading retreats and would have people come and stay for 10 days or a week and spend literally 24-7 with with small, in the beginning, really small groups of people. And I realized that there's so much, you know, the yoga isn't what is, what's important here, really. I mean, the, the, the poses that we practice and the breath work, all of that, it's just tools to get into a deeper place of something that these people need to, most of the times, you know, let go of or mm -hmm. heal or work through or invite something new into their lives. And that's, that's my strength as a teacher is bringing that up. And whether we use, you know, asana or we use, like, hugs and talking or massage or yeah. just community like centering into a, into a heartfelt space it doesn't matter what you do to bring that out and that's kind of 
where I center my, my teaching these days. So it's really little, it's not a whole lot about the body anymore. It was in the beginning because it was how I healed. And then it was, you know, my practice got really dynamic and exciting for a while and that was fun. And then I transitioned back into a really heartfelt space. So awesome. my husband sometimes says, he says, well, if you don't make the whole class cry, you feel like you didn't have a good class <laughs> because <laughs> it's such an emotional experience for me. Like I cry in every Shavasana that I teach Definitely. all the time because it's, it's really about the heart. That's beautiful. Um, so tell us a little bit about the present now. So you're, you've been living in Aruba. You've built up this huge Instagram following through, I guess, your genuine connection with your followers because you really are transparent. Like, since the time that I met you, I realized that you're fully yourself in all areas of your life. And I truly enjoy that as being your friend now and someone who... Um, also admires the way that you've grown. Um, so with this being said, what would you say brought you to the present state of being where you are today? What would you say are like three aspects of your day-to-day -day perhaps that have brought you to where you are today? That's a big, big question. I mean, the last, I think the last four, four years have been a huge whirlwind, like really... Um, and the idea of, you know, the social media of it all and the online world, I really struggled with that for a long time. I hated the name Yoga Girl for the longest time. I really, really <laughs> didn't did enjoy it. I, like, I don't even know. I don't know how I thought of it. I just didn't like the idea of this being a... Ringo, can I help you? <laughs> I, didn't love the, I didn't like the idea of it being something commercial. I didn't want to sell a bunch of stuff. I didn't want to... Um, this just wasn't at all what I wanted to do. So people would stop me in the street. They're like, oh my God, yoga girl, I love you. And I'm like, well, actually, no, my name is Rachel. Mm. Like, that is not who I am. That's just, you know, something. Um, but then as this has kind of, I mean, two years ago, I went through a really, really heavy, heavy year. I lost my best friend in a car accident. My dog passed away. My grandma passed away. And in the middle of all of that, we got married. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was literally the most emotionally intense year of of. of the universe like it was so overwhelming and intense and somewhere around there I started really opening up about much much more deeper things so I was always really normal and natural and kind of I would share that you know I like to drink wine but I also drink green juice and it's okay mm -hmm. to be who you are like I was authentic with my following to a certain extent but I wasn't moving through hell you know so I didn't yeah. have that part of of rawness to share because I wasn't moving through that and my life was really good and calm and I think you need to get to a place where things are, are really fucking horrible <laughs> to actually show your true colors and to bring out that real raw side of who you are and to really touch other people's hearts because if everything is nice and dandy and perfect every day, you're just scratching at the surface of, of connection, really. Mm -hmm. It's in those dark places that, that we show who we really are. Yeah. So I went through that and I just kind of turned myself inside out to the whole world. Like, this is my pain, this is my grief. Like, there were moments where I, like, I didn't want to live. I shared that. It was the hardest, but also the most healing process I've ever been through. And after that, everything really, really changed. Like I really realized that, that I'm here to do something bigger. I'm here to do something. It's not just doing handstands on a beach. Like that's not the point. It's not just teaching yoga. It's not just doing retreats. Like I'm here because maybe I have the ability to in some shape or form make a difference on a big scale, yeah. you know? And I, and I started gearing everything, everything toward that. That's beautiful. So that definitely brings us to our next question, which I feel is just, what are you doing today? Like, what is Rachel Brathen doing now to change the world? 
a lot, I feel. <laughs> I mean, we have a lot of beautiful things going on. So you're a part of 108, which yeah. is our online home. It's mm -hmm. our home for, for the online community. And that really came from, it was really organic. I've, I've been, I mean, for years, I think, complaining a little bit about the fact that I don't know where to turn people when they reach out about really difficult stuff. Yeah. You know, I've really had a hard time with that for years, even before things were this big, before I had this many people in the community. Just, I would kind of drain myself trying to write people back about about ideas of, or questions about loss or love or fear or, you know, I'm 18, I don't know what to do with my life, what should I do, how can I get out there? Like, I would really answer all of that personally and try and try and try. And then as my journey got deeper, people's questions got a lot heavier and deeper. And yeah. I got to a point where I would, maybe once or once a week, once every other week, I would get a suicide note from someone. Wow. Like really, really intense, dark things. And I had nowhere to turn these people. So I would ask, you know, where do you live? Where are you from? And I would Google or try to find friends and people who has a therapist, a counselor, a psychologist, a crisis center that I can send this person so this person can get help and support. And it was a huge undertaking to try to find all these people help. So the idea that I had was what if there was an online place where, you know, of course it should be based in yoga because it's my whole core of everything, meditation, that thing, but also a place where you can turn to when you don't have the answers anymore. Totally. People that actually are educated. Because that's not, you know, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a, I was sitting there trying to tell these people, you know, give them loving advice, but I'm just, you know doing my best over here. I'm not... You can only come from your experience. And I'm not an expert either. Like, how do you respond to someone who says, hey, I don't want to live? You know, that should not be me. They shouldn't be on Instagram scrolling for answers. Like, they should be somewhere where they can get real help. So, Definitely. I founded 108. It's 108.tv. It's going to be 108.com within the next couple nice. of days. Awesome. So, probably when this podcast is out, we'll be, it'll be 108.com. Um, so it's a home for yoga, for meditation, for nourishment, for anything and everything that you need for balance and, and healing, pretty much. It's beautiful. So you've got 108, and then you've also got 109. And then we got 109, which is the next level up, the next step. And 109 is a global social mission organization. So we're a nonprofit, and we do campaigns for different urgent global causes. So... For instance, right now we have a campaign going for clean water. We're, it's a 109-day campaign where we raise awareness and funds to provide an entire city in Nicaragua with clean, potable water for the first time ever. And we actually leave in less than a week with 55 people, I think we are, wow. to go dig <laughs> and implement this whole new piping system for this whole city to have water for the so first time. So you're coming into different countries and building infrastructure. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. still small scale, but... I mean, 50 people is a lot of people, and that means that you're doing something. You know? Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, we could have, have... feed a village before you can feed a town. A town. I mean, that's, city. we could have taken probably, I mean, 200 people. We had to cut it. But this is our first mission trip, and I, um, you know, it's going to be intense manual labor. So we do yoga every day. We call it volunteerism. So mm -hmm. it's like volunteering, but it's also tourism, because you get to enjoy this beautiful place. You get to practice yoga every day. You get to serve. You get to enjoy the culture of the country, but... Mm -hmm. You're there to make a difference. So all the proceeds of everything we raise goes to the cost. Wow, that's awesome. That's absolutely beautiful. It's really good. And we have causes in Rwanda, in Africa, in India, in Brazil, in Colombia, in Latvia, in Nicaragua. Like we're, having, you know, we're really global with it. So we're rolling out campaigns after campaigns this year, giving people the opportunity to just kind of on your own realize that you do have the ability to change the world. Like It doesn't have to be... For, for other people, you know, people really ask, like, how can I, in my own community or just on my own, even if you don't have money, maybe you can't afford to come to a trip, but there are ways you can get engaged in your own community to make a change. And even just the 
patterns you have in your day-to-day -day life, like that makes a difference and people Can don't realize that. Can you talk about that. some of those patterns? Well, we're in the middle of now a water challenge actually where we're challenging people to learn about their own water consumption and their water waste. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just giving some really detailed examples. Like there's over 70 million young girls and women that spend hours every morning uh, walking to get water for their families. So, mm -hmm. you know, three points, the average is 3.7 miles they walk every single day to get five liters of water. And five liters of water is five seconds in your shower, right? Wow. And that water is supposed to last an entire family drinking, washing, cooking, you know, it's a minuscule amount and that's what they do everyone. So they don't go to school, a lot of these girls, because they have to get water for the family and the boys get sent to school instead. So in the challenge, we said, hey, you know what, can you carry, we asked the entire community, can you pick up five liters of water, just hold it today, just put it in your backpack, take a walk around your neighborhood, can you walk four miles with it, then please do. Just kind of put yourself in the shoes of these girls and notice how in, in, intense this is. And then this is what five liters correlates to in our day-to-day -day life. Like flushing the toilet, I mean, it's so much more than that. Wow. So just kind of checking in with yourself, how can I make a change? Can I turn the faucet off when I brush my teeth? Can I have a reusable water bottle? Like can I, you know, how do I wash my car, my dogs? How do I shower? Just looking at that, because a lot of that is unconscious and it makes a difference, you know. Definitely. That's beautiful. Um, so speaking of making a difference and kind of bringing forth this knowledge, who would you say are some of the leaders, movers and shakers and inspirational people that have been on your path that have led you to where you are today? Wow. <laughs> I mean, I always, whenever people ask me that, I always think of the experiences or the moments that I've had that changed my path a bit or that you know, gave me an epiphany of some sort, like, whoa, maybe I'm supposed to be doing this instead. And it's always my students. It's always my community grow and watching my own students delve really deeply into something that's so unknown and beginners that come to classes. So especially when I teach, because these days I'm, I'm blessed I get to teach sometimes groups of a thousand people show up, you know, and it's, and it's not the advanced yogis that come to these classes. I mean a little bit, but most of them are fairly new to the practice, they're there because of something really heartfelt. They're not there to learn how to handstand, like they're, they're there yeah. to learn how to love or learn how to let go, you know, it's really deep. And after every class, it's always really intimate, it's always really emotional, even though the classes are so big. And after every class, I always do a little, we call it a Q&A, but it's more like a cuddle session where everybody gets to share or talk or ask questions and we pass this mic around. And people will literally stand up in front of a room of a thousand people and pour their hearts out and share the most intense, you know, sometimes really, really difficult stories and journeys. And then you see people around kind of stand up and then everybody ends up hugging and mm -hmm. just reaching out to be there to support each other and to open up. And so many of those moments have really just moved me to the point where I've made a difference or made a change, yeah. you know, in where I'm going. So there was a moment where I was going maybe towards the, oh, you know, I could be this super yoga star and I could like, you know, sell a bunch of clothes and like open a big yoga center and I could do blah, 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 teacher trainings. And I don't know, a part of me kind of went that way in the beginning and then I was knocked through that community. Like, nope, go here, like serve, be of service, whatever that is. If it's saving animals or like helping people that are in need or just giving people some tools to get in touch with their own hearts, like whatever it is, just serve. And it's been the right choice. <laughs> and along the way you can do all that fun stuff too like I mean you know because it is a business it is a brand like I'm realizing that now and I'm embracing it more but the heart of it is always the people mm -hmm. yeah. what advice would you give to those who have a significant following 
and wish to serve in a way that is most in alignment with their passion? That's a great question. I think to get to that place, you have to get in touch with something really uncomfortable within yourself. Like you're not gonna just wake up one morning and you know, life's great and dandy and awesome and let's move forward and oh my God, like I'm gonna change my path or I'm gonna move away from a commercial space and focus on being a, you know, of service. I think you have to get in touch with a really uncomfortable, dark side of yourself where you realize that this is where I need healing, this is where my greatest lessons are, you know, and usually it is through painful things like death or trauma or crisis or divorce or disease or whatever it is that we all move through it in time. And we can choose to run away from that and patch it up and just move forward with what we were doing. Or we can really, really open up and let that transform us and change us and let us become more vulnerable to, to life, which Absolutely. is a hard thing to do. And I think from that, um, you know, we get more in touch with the hearts of others as well. And I think if you have influence, you know, if you can do big things, like choose the right big things to do. Mm. Really, like because we have that choice over and over. And I think abundance and all of that, all of the great fun stuff, like material wealth and abundance, and, you know, everybody's kind of chasing that. We all want that for ourselves. It comes when you're of service and when you're in the place you're supposed to be and you don't have to fight for it or struggle for it. It just arrives when it needs to be there. That's the truth. Yeah. Definitely. I think so. Wow. Um, so this brings us to um, what I would call one of the biggest questions is, what is yoga to you? Hmm. That's also a big question. I think, I mean, it changes all the time, really. I mean, it's my place to heal. It's my place to strengthen, to find confidence. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's everything. But it's, it's how I reach out into the world. For sure. I mean, without yoga, I wouldn't have the ability to connect with such a vast community. So it's how I reach out and I can really make all of these connections. But most importantly, it's how I reach within myself. You know, it's how I get back to quiet and a place where everything's okay. So even if, you know, it's not, it is. What yoga is, yeah. But it changes, you know, ask me in six months, will it be something else? <laughs> I'll have to take the recording from when we did the interview and vision and send you yes. that, what you said then. Oh my God, we should do this just every year. Let's do it. Totally. <laughs> see I, how it I moves. I plan on doing multiple episodes with the different people who I interview because there's so many different topics that people are now like, oh, like, why didn't you ask them this? Hmm. So it's like, I'm most likely going to have to interview you multiple times. That's and I'm amazing. Sure I'll be back for and you're going to be back in every a bunch. I know it. Awesome. <laughs> um, so... I like to end things with three words of advice, um, whether they be quotes or just things that resonate most with you. Just little golden nuggets that you can give our listeners, those who may be on their practice, perhaps their teachers or students who are looking to grow more and be revealed to yoga. Hmm. Little nuggets of wisdom. I think I'm, I'm reflecting a lot in, right now in my life on, on drama and the idea of of letting things go and actually active, actively letting them go. I had a teacher once um, have the whole room like pick up a, a pen or a stone or whatever you had around you, like pick it up and hold it with your palm facing up and really grab a hold of it, you know, hold on to that stone. And then she said, and I'll let it go. And then you let it go, but it's still there in the palm of your hand, right? Mm. And then she's like, okay, grab it again, turn your palm upside down so your palm is facing down, and now let go, and you let go and it drops. 
So the idea of you know, having difficult things arise in your life or drama or whatever it is that's kind of keeping you from living authentically to where you're supposed to be. There's letting go, but there's also letting shit go. Yeah. You know, and dropping it, getting it out dropping of Dropping it and getting it out of life and realizing yeah. that this serves me and this doesn't. So you can actually choose where you direct your attention. And a lot of us, we spend too much time focusing on the negative or the drama or the things that we don't want versus looking over here where all the beautiful things that we have to be grateful for already exist. So I think, you know, let more shit go. That's my golden nugget. <laughs> golden nuggets. That's my golden nugget. Some yeah. people can't swallow them. <laughs> uh, well, the Yoga Revealed podcast listeners and community are better for your beautiful advice. Mm. Thank you so much for your service to the world. Thank you. It's an absolute blessing to see your growth and to be in your presence. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Namaste. I'll see you soon again. (laughs) I know that. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. You can learn more about Rachel Brathen at rachelbrathen.com. Make sure to check out her awesome platform for learning at 108.tv, where you can watch me teach Yoga Girl and Dennis how to connect and support through Acro Yoga. And for daily inspiration, don't forget to follow the one and only yoga underscore girl on Instagram. And special treat yoga revealers, now you can practice acro yoga with me on 108 TV and my awesome group of three. I've got the one and only Caitlin Turner, aka Gypset Goddess, and Julio Bagdan, aka FitFlex Huli, and we have the dopest community of three. We'll be teaching you guys how to fly online today. Blessings indeed. Live your light. Shine bright. Until next time, yogis. Peace. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.